Well, hey, good morning, Plum Creek. Great to have you with us today here on this 4th of July weekend. Man, I am so thankful that we get to worship together every Sunday in freedom. Man, we thank God for the freedom that we have in this country. We can never take that for granted. We are truly blessed. Well, as I get started here, I have to say something about my friend and my brother in Christ, Doug Graziani. Uh, Many of you know that Doug passed away on Thursday after a two-year battle with cancer. And Doug was an elder here at Plum Creek for many, many years. He was about as faithful as they come. And I can only guess at the number of people who have been blessed by Doug and his wife, Judy. Uh, I'm definitely one of them. So it's a very tough thing to lose Doug, but it's very good to have the hope that we have in Christ Uh, The book of Colossians calls that the hope of glory. It's the promise that if you are in Christ, you will leave this life and find your true home in the presence of the glory of God. So I am grateful for the hope of glory, and I'm grateful for having the privilege of knowing Doug. Well, we're going to jump back into the book of Colossians today, Uh, and before we do, I want to update you on something. Uh, For the next few weeks, Uh, We're going to share a brief kingdom update in every Sunday service. Uh, Now, if you're new to Plum Creek, let me tell you what this is about. Back in January, our church set aside 2022 as the year of the kingdom. And uh, this is what we mean by that. Uh, For months now, we've been asking the question, if we follow wherever God leads, how much good could we do for his kingdom? And along those lines, we've been praying these words from the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're, with that prayer, we're asking God to bring up there down here. And we're also asking him to use us in the process. And over the past six months, we've seen that happen. So today, I want to share a, a kingdom update. Uh, one of the things that, that Plum Creek has been a part of in 2022. Um, The update is about our special offering uh, to help the people of Ukraine. Uh, Back in the spring, we learned that one of our mission partners has a connection with a church in western Ukraine. Uh, If you're following the news, you know that there have been many refugees escaping the country, especially from the east through the west and, and then out of the country. And so this church has had the opportunity to minister to these refugees that had to flee their homes due to the war. So our mission partner, uh, they asked if we could help in this effort, meeting basic needs for these families, sharing the love of Christ with them. So we collected a special offering, and the goal was $2,000, but you guys gave $10,125, which was amazing. So where is that money going? Well, I'll tell you, the pastor of that church bought rice and flour and vegetables and meat and all kinds of food, and they're sharing that food with these families. Uh, They also bought medical supplies to to help people with urgent health needs. Uh, Now, for security reasons, I won't tell you the name of the pastor, this guy, uh, but I will pass on a message that he sent to Plum Creek. Uh, He said, we are very grateful for the generous help that we received from you. May God's blessings be with you. 
So let's remember our brothers and sisters who are worshiping and serving in Ukraine in in the middle of terrible conditions. Uh, Let's pray for them as they show the compassion of Jesus and share the gospel with everyone they can. Well, I'm excited to get back to Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, We started this series last week out at AJ Jolly Park at our outdoor worship service. And by the way, for those of you who made it to the park last Sunday, wasn't that a great day? Man, I loved being able to worship together outside, surrounded by God's creation. I loved having that time as a church family. I also loved the chance to meet lots of people who were brand new to Plum Creek. And once again, I have to thank the staff and the volunteers who helped make that possible. Now today, we get to be thankful for air conditioning and a roof over our heads, because sometimes it's good to worship inside, all right? But back to Colossians. Uh, We're taking five weeks to look at several key passages in this book of the Bible. And some of you know Colossians is a letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to a young church in a city called Colossae. As Paul writes this letter, he has one big goal. Paul wants the Colossian Christians to understand the greatness of Jesus. Uh, Last week, I I talked about a big question that we all have to answer in life. The question is, who is Jesus? Who do you say that he is? And that question is extremely important because your view of Jesus has a huge impact on every area of your life. Now, for the Christians in Colossae, their, their view of Jesus, it was too small. And the reality is, we're a lot like the Colossians. Our view of Jesus is almost always too small. Uh, We talked about this last Sunday. If you were there, do you remember what we learned from Colossians chapter 1? We learned that Jesus was not just a great teacher or a great prophet. We learned that he's not just a, a miracle worker. He is all of those things, but he's also much more. Jesus is God. Remember these words? All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And again, this is a mystery. There's only one God, but he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is not the the junior member of that group. All things were created through him and for him. He holds all things together. So do you see what I mean? We often don't think of Jesus like that. Our normal view of him is just too small. So if Jesus is God, what are the implications? Well, Paul explains the implications in the rest of this letter. And as we go through this series, I want to challenge you to read the book of Colossians every single week. And that's actually very doable. There there are only 95 verses in this book. It doesn't take long at all to get through it. So check out the reading plan in your bulletin or on Facebook, and let's read this together as a church family. Uh, For today, though, I want to focus on just five verses. Five verses, Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I want to read this all at once, and then we'll go back and break it down. So follow along with me. Colossians 2, starting at verse 1. Paul writes, 
I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Okay, there you go. Colossians 2, 1 through 5. Now, if you are anything like me, uh, when I read a passage like this, I don't get much out of it for the first time. Uh, It sounds like a bunch of Christian words and phrases just kind of strung together. I've learned, though, that I just need to slow down. I need to let God's word sink and soak into my soul. And I'm sure you understand this. When you fly through a book, you usually don't get the deeper meaning. So how do we get to that deeper meaning? Well, here's something that's been very helpful for me. Look for the story. There's always a story. See, people in the Bible, they're real people, just like any of us. And they had very interesting lives. So what's the story here? Well, first let's think about Paul. Uh, Paul was a a Jewish leader. That's how he started out. He started out very hostile to Christianity. But one day he had a dramatic encounter with Jesus. And he left everything behind to follow him. And from that point on, Paul went all over the Mediterranean world preaching the gospel, planting churches, leading people to become disciples of Jesus who would make more disciples. And during this period, the church grew exponentially. It started popping up in places where Paul had never even visited. And that seems to be true of Colossae. And on the map here, you can see that Colossae was located in modern-day Turkey. However, this church was like many of those other churches where Paul hadn't visited Paul had a deep concern for them. He wanted these baby churches to thrive, to be healthy, and to be effective at leading others to Christ. Uh, But when Paul wrote this letter, he was a prisoner in, in the city of Rome. He was literally in chains. So it wasn't an option for him to visit the Colossian Christians in person and check on them and see how they were doing. And that was a problem because this church needed help. One day, uh, Paul got a visit from a man named Epaphras. And Bible scholars believe Epaphras was the lead pastor of the church in Colossae. And he made this long trip from Colossae all the way to Rome, which in itself is an amazing thing because that trip was over 1,200 miles. It's a long way in the first century. But when Epaphras arrived, he gave Paul a detailed description of the church and how things were going. And he was like, Paul, you would be so impressed with these guys. They really love Jesus. They love each other. Things are going really well. However, there's a storm brewing. We've got a group of false teachers, and they're distorting the gospel. Now, what do you think these false teachers were saying? Well, based on the context of this letter, uh, scholars believe they were preaching a low view 
of Jesus. They didn't agree with this idea that all things were created through him and for him. So, like I said, this is Paul's big goal, the, the reason why he writes this letter. Paul wants to counter this false teaching. He wants to help the Colossian Christians understand the greatness of Jesus. And it's interesting. In those five verses that we just read, Paul takes on the role of a spiritual father. He, he shares certain things that we all need to hear from a dad. So that's how I want to look at this passage today. I want to think of Paul as a spiritual father who, who shares say things, says things that we all need to hear. And you may have a dad who tells you these things, but maybe you don't. Uh, maybe your dad isn't here anymore. Or maybe he never took on this role of a spiritual father. Uh, whatever the case, pay attention because we all need someone who fills that role in our lives. And, and by the way, if you don't have someone like that, if you need a spiritual mentor, you can find a person like that in the church. Doug Graciani was a great example of that. So here in Colossians 2, 1 through 5, I want to make a list of several messages that Paul communicates as a spiritual father. And just to be clear, I'm going to refer specifically to fathers, uh, primarily because Paul was a spiritual father and also because I'm a dad myself. But it goes without saying that a spiritual mother can communicate all of these things as well, and that role is just as important. But let's go back and read verse 1 again. Paul says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. So what's, what's Paul talking about here? He's contending and struggling and agonizing over these guys, the, the Colossians and the Laodiceans. And FYI, Laodicea was a town fairly close to Colossae, and there's a fascinating story there too, but we'll save that for another day. Uh, for now, let's focus on this first message that we need to hear from a dad, and it's this. I am fighting for you. Man, what a powerful thing for a kid to know. If you are a child with a strong father who is on your team, he's got your back, how does that make you feel? And there's great security in that, isn't there? There is a peace in knowing that your father is fighting for you. And I realize not all of us had a dad like that. But I, I really believe this is part of the God-given role of a father. Uh, this, this is a dangerous world in many different ways. And when a father is serious about his job, he will intervene when his child is threatened. And of course, children need to be protected from, from physical harm. But here in Colossians, Paul has a deep concern for the spiritual well-being for these Christians. So how does he fight for them? Well, back in chapter 1, uh, we see that Paul constantly prays for them. He pleads with God. He asks God to provide them with everything they need. Uh, but in addition to Paul's prayers, he, he also fights by simply writing this letter. He's trying to protect the church from the threat of this false teaching. Now, if you're a follower of Christ and, and you're a dad or a mom or a spiritual mentor of some kind, uh, this is a great example for us to follow. We have to fight for our kids, especially spiritually. 
You know, in the light of eternity, what our kids accomplish in academics or sports or their careers, they don't matter as much. Uh, what truly matters is where they stand with God in the long run. And this can be overwhelming as a parent. How can we protect our kids from every temptation, every spiritual threat? The truth is, we can't, and we know it. So the Bible says, the best way for me to contend for my family is to start by fearing God, by, by giving him the, the reverence that he deserves, by acknowledging the place that he deserves to have in our lives. Uh, Proverbs 14, 26 says it this way, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. So when it comes to protecting my kids, my confidence can't come from myself. It's got to come from God, from his strength, from his wisdom. And that means I won't leave my kids to figure out life on their own or do whatever seems right to them. No, it's my job to guide them, to, to, to guide them based on the truth of God's word, to lead them toward Jesus and away from anything that threatens their spiritual well-being. I've mentioned before that in our home, we pray with our kids every night, and uh, they've all made the decision to follow Jesus, so we pray that they'll continue to love him more than anything else, and that they'll put him in the center of their lives, in the center of their relationships. So that's one of the primary ways that we fight for them, and I've been so inspired by many of you who fight for your kids. And I realize that's, that's often not easy. In some cases, you've prayed for them, you've cried, you've enlisted all kinds of help, and it's just been tough. So let me encourage you, don't give up. Keep fighting. That's exactly what our Heavenly Father is doing for us. He's fighting for all of us, and He loves our kids even more than we do. So that's the first thing we need to hear. We need to hear somebody who says, I'm fighting for you. We see more messages in verses 2 and 3, so let's read those verses again. Paul says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I love this because Paul is not just looking at the Colossian Christians as they are. He has a vision for who they can become, and he wants to see that vision become a reality. Paul says, this is my goal. And then he goes on to list a few things, things that all of us need to hear. Uh, first, Paul says, I want to make sure your life is full of encouragement, that you will be encouraged in heart. Now, why did the Colossians need to be encouraged? It's because life is hard. Following Jesus is hard. There are so many different reasons why we might get discouraged in this world. We've especially seen that over the past two years, haven't we? COVID, stress, division, a constant stream of bad news. Discouragement has been like a second pandemic. So we're in the same boat as the Colossians. Uh, we need somebody to come alongside us and say, don't 
quit. You can do this. God will give you the strength that you need. And it's interesting, the Greek word for encouragement here, it literally means to call someone to your side. And that's exactly what Paul is doing. He's saying, yes, this race is difficult, but I'm going to run it with you. We can run this together. We all need that kind of encouragement pretty much every day. But Paul has another goal here. In addition to encouragement, he wants the lives of these Christians to be full of love and unity. He actually says, I want you to be knit together in love. And this second goal helps accomplish the first goal. Because one of the best ways to fight discouragement is to be surrounded by a community that truly knows you and truly loves you. To have that team where you're on the same page and you're working to accomplish the same purpose. That's a challenge, though. You've, you've probably experienced this. That love and that unity can be very hard to find. But this is God's blueprint for the church. He wants the church to be a place where we build deep and authentic relationships, where we grow together, where we run this race together. If you're looking for that community and you, you haven't quite found it yet, I, I have a suggestion for you. Next month, in the month of August, you'll have the chance to sign up for a life group, uh, which is a, a Bible study where you build these kinds of friendships. You study God's word together. You help each other follow Jesus more closely. And I know for that to happen, for you to be a part of a group like this, you have to carve time out of your schedule. But make this a priority uh, join a life group. Maybe you go back to the group you've been a part of in the past. Maybe you try a different group, or maybe you join one for the first time. Uh, do what it takes to find that community. Take the initiative. Well, let's look back at the passage. There's another goal that Paul mentions, and this one has to be the greatest of all. Paul prays that the Colossians would have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what's the goal here? Paul wants these Christians to have a deep and personal knowledge of Christ. And, and of course, this hits right at the purpose of this letter. Uh, Paul wants them to experience the presence of Jesus and know his greatness. Because if, if the Colossians could do that, the false teaching would sound completely hollow. And let's apply this to our lives. In, in, in your life right now, does your faith seem kind of stale? If so, it's not because Jesus is stale. It's because you need to grow a, a deep and personal knowledge of Christ. Or how about this? Are you finding it difficult to fight a certain temptation right now? If so, you need to grow in a deep and personal knowledge of Christ because when that happens, the object of your temptation will pale in comparison. Or one more. Are you struggling with doubt or questions right now? If so, <laughs> all the wisdom and knowledge you need is found in Christ. When we have this deep and personal knowledge of him, when we experience his presence, everything else falls into place. 
Now, a word of caution for any dad or spiritual parent who has the same goal for your children. You can't help your kids develop that deeper personal knowledge of Christ if you aren't growing in that knowledge yourself. So be honest. Have you made it your top priority to know and follow Jesus? If not, your children will know. And this is a big challenge for me as a dad. I can't just tell them that my top priority is following Jesus. I have to live that out. Uh, because they see the truth. They know what I care about. They know what I love. If I'm not serious about following Jesus, our kids will say, yeah, this church thing, it's, it's something we do. It's, it's kind of a game that we play for some reason. But we know it's just a game. You know, for Paul, all these messages from a spiritual father, they ring true because of who he is. Man, if anybody knew Paul at all, they knew that his greatest treasure was Jesus. So that's really the most important thing on this list of messages that we need to hear from a dad. But Paul does mention just a couple more messages, and, 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 and we need to see these too. In verse 4, he says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So you, you see what we need there? We need somebody who says, I will help you sort out the truth from the lies. And I tell you what, this is one of the greatest challenges for the church today. Because we're all bombarded by fine-sounding arguments that are directly opposed to God's word. We need someone who constantly reminds us of the truth. And we have to be specific here. Uh, we can't just say, hey kids, you're going to hear a bunch of lies out there, so uh, I, hope you, I hope you recognize the, the truth. Uh, I hope you don't buy into the lies. Good luck. No, we have to get specific. And that's what Paul does in the book of Colossians. He, he, when these false teachers, they preached some inferior version of Jesus, Paul confronted that head-on. He laid out the supremacy of Christ. So let's think about this in our context. What are some specific lies that you might hear in our culture today? Well, I don't have this all figured out by any means, uh, but my wife and I are, are trying to, to do this for our kids. Our kids are at an extremely vulnerable age right now, 13, 11, and 9. And they're taking in messages all the time. And many of those messages are totally opposed to God's word. So uh, I'll give you a, a couple examples. Right now, it's popular to believe there's no such thing as absolute truth. I mentioned this last week. Uh, people say, you may have your truth, and that's fine for you, but I have a different version of the truth. And unfortunately, that's just not reality. It's like I said last Sunday, there are still people who believe the earth is flat. That doesn't make it true. You can want it to be true, but that doesn't make it true. And when you're trying to answer the biggest questions in life, who am I? Why am I here? Is there a God? What happens when I die? We have to answer those questions based on absolute truth. Here's uh, another lie that we talk about in our home. Some people believe 
this universe and life itself just appeared by chance. Now, some people accuse Christians of being anti-science, but that's not the case at all. Science is not the enemy. I have a great appreciation for science. Uh, if I'm going to have surgery, I want my doctor to have a great deal of scientific knowledge. Now, here's the problem. A humanistic, naturalistic worldview has a bias against the supernatural. And that bias, that worldview says the only knowledge we can have comes from what we can observe in nature, the laws of nature. But here's, here's the real question. Why do those laws of nature exist? Where did they come from? Where did our universe come from? Why does life exist? The answer is common sense. These things are here because there's a great designer and a great creator. It's God. I won't give you the long list of lies, but I will share just a few more, and I could easily preach a whole sermon on any one of these. Here's another one. Your approach to sex can be whatever you want it to be. Now, I don't mention this because sexual sin is worse than any other sin, I mention it because in our culture right now, there is a growing disregard for what the Bible says in this area. I talked about that a few weeks ago, so I'll move on. Here's another lie. Some human lives have more value than others. I mentioned this one last week, too. Uh, every person on this planet has great value because every person on this planet was created in God's image. Now, we may feel like we don't struggle with this one, but the reality is we're all susceptible. Every one of us has a tendency to value some lives more than others and, and place a lesser value on certain other lives. And I want to state this as clearly as I possibly can. Here's a quick rundown. Every child is precious to God, both born and unborn. Every senior citizen is precious to God. If you are somewhere in between a child and a senior citizen, you are precious to God. Black people are precious to God. White people and Asian people and every individual in every other ethnic group, they're all precious to God. Refugees, immigrants, they're all precious to God. Every person in the LGBT community is precious to God. Democrats, Republicans, every political party is made up of people who are precious to God. People you like, people you don't like, they're all precious to God. Even if you are currently living a life of rebellion against God, even if you don't believe he exists, you're still precious to him. I could go on and on, but you get the idea. Every human life has great value because God placed that value on each one of us. You can be 100% confident that you are loved by God. But that brings up one final lie that I have to mention. The lie says, since God loves everyone, it doesn't matter how you respond to Jesus. And we can't get confused here. Yes, every person is absolutely loved by God. No doubt about it. But not every person has been reconciled to God. See, at one point or another, every one of us declared war against God. That's what sin is. It's 
It's a declaration of war against God, which is a terrible idea because that means you're signing up for your own destruction. But despite our rebellion, we're still precious to God. So he offered us a truce. That's what happened when Jesus went to the cross. His sacrifice paid the penalty for our sin. And so God offers salvation as a free gift. He offers reconciliation. Not everyone has received that gift. Not everyone has surrendered to Jesus and been saved by grace through faith. That's what he wants for each one of us, but we have a choice. We can accept God or we can reject him, and he will honor our choice. And if you reject him and refuse that reconciliation, you'll be separated from him forever. You're headed for eternal death. Jesus talked about this. This is why we can't, uh, we can't compromise on the truth of the gospel. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So let's sort out the truth from the lies. Okay, very quickly, I want to go back and read that final verse, Colossians 1.5. Read along with me. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. And delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. I'm, I'm so glad this verse is, hearing, is here uh, because in these words, I hear a spiritual father saying, I'm proud of you. And we all long to hear that, don't we? When we hear those words, man, something inside us just comes alive. We want to rise to the occasion. So if you are a dad or a spiritual parent or a mentor, find something you can celebrate. Paul commended the Colossian Christians for their discipline, for their strong faith. So as, as a dad myself, I always want to look for things I can celebrate in my children and say, hey, I am so proud of you. I'm proud of what you just accomplished. I'm proud of what I'm seeing in your character right now. Those words mean so much. So there it is. In just five verses, we've heard lots of different messages that we all need to hear from a dad or a, or a spiritual parent or a mentor. I'm fighting for you. My goal is that your life would be full of encouragement, unity, love, and a deep and personal knowledge of Christ. And I will help you sort out the truth from the lies. And I'm proud of you. So if you're a parent or a spiritual parent, be intentional and speak these words on a regular basis. And if you're someone who's not hearing these messages right now, find a spiritual mentor. If you have trouble finding one, uh, reach out. We'd be glad to help you. But most of all, look to your heavenly father because he's saying these things all the time. You can find all of these messages in his word. So let's listen to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that when we slow down and take it in, you have so much to say to us. So many things that we need to hear. You will guide us into the truth. You will call us into a life of meaning and joy and hope. So Lord, help us to listen to you. Help us to get away from the noise and, and just ask that you would speak to us and help us to follow wherever you lead. I pray that for each one of us here today. 
In Jesus' name, amen.